All right, we'll get started. We're back. After a very long hiatus of... Me being sick. <laughs> yeah. It's been... Um, well, and then we had Thanksgiving. Yeah. And that was really busy. Mm-hmm. Actually, the whole month of November was really busy. Yeah, because you were getting over sickness. Then I got sick. We also had like a whole bunch of events. We had then to, like, we had a bunch of events that yeah. we were going to, and yeah, we were all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it feels nice to finally be back. Yeah, kind of chilling again. Mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. which is nice, and it's nice to talk to you. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, you're I gonna mean... make people think that we just don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> we only talk during the pod. I mean. I don't know how much adults really talk to each other during the day, but yeah, because you got your own adventures you're up to and mm-hmm. running off on, and then and then we come back together, yeah, in the evening and normally connect. Yep. Yeah, it's nice to be back. And the stock market has still been um, continuing. Mm-hmm. Which it felt like. I don't know. It it felt like it was pretty like slow. Yeah. Ending ending in November, right? I I think the volume tends to die into November because mm-hmm. a lot of so first off, there's a lot of capital drawdown in November mm-hmm. for a lot of private funds. Yeah. Um, just because I, you know, I I mean, there's just capital requests that happen every year. You know, people need money. They want money. They want in. They want out whatever so mm-hmm. it, there isn't always access to that there's a lot of rebalancing that goes on and a lot of like churn typically happens in the markets in november so it could be a pretty slow month and a pretty low volume month yeah yeah so it, it to be off to a hot, hot start in december with bitcoin like doing what it's doing mm-hmm. is pretty fucking awesome i'll say that yeah yeah nice to catch that wave yeah because you know what I do think about this. Like I go back to because I knew about it in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I was like, I looked at it. I looked at Ripple and I looked at a whole bunch of different coins. I was I was like, I don't know which one will win. So I didn't pick any of the one. I didn't pick any of them. But I knew one of them was going to be big, right? But you're yeah. just like scared to commit. Commit. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're first doesn't mean like it's going to stick around, right? When you think about MySpace, where's MySpace now? Yeah. Or AOL. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not here. Yeah. Just because, and that's the problem with a lot of like technology fads. And at the time, it seemed a lot like crypto was a technology fad. It, it didn't, I would say it didn't quite make sense that it, w- it was going to become a potentially next gen of, of gold, I would say. That's yeah. what it, that's what it's changed in my view is is that it's a serious commodity, maybe an asset. It just depends on the day of the week for uh, the SEC and the IRS. Yeah, how they're classifying it. Um, but it, it seems like eventually it's going to pretty well surpass gold. Mm. Eventually, yeah. Just how much it's growing. Yeah, it's currently. 
I, I forget what the stats are, but I think it's it's about a third the size of, of gold in, in net worth wow. right now. Yeah. So it, it's already off to a, a huge combustion mm-hmm. of a start. Yeah. That might be completely wrong, too. It could be like one-tenth. <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah, third sound. I, I remember reading it in some investor slides and, and going, wow, that I did not realize that it had grown that fast over the decade. Because mm-hmm. gold is huge, you know? I mean, it's, it is a vast commodity. Yeah. Yeah. So to see Bitcoin growing in the way that it is and that to see it at the start of what probably is one of its – I'm not saying it's a final run because I know there is a pullback coming soon on on bitcoin yeah but um to be a part of what you know will eventually be very like successful historic events yeah it is something interesting because you always want you always read about that stuff right Mm -hmm. where you read about you know if if you invested in like 1885 philip morris or something like that and you looked at like the current value today it's it's something like you'd be uh, infinitely like a billionaire something like that you know it's <laughs> it's cra- you look at those math stats and you're like yeah. wow what a time if i had had that opportunity would i have known to take it you know would i would i have been that present to to realize the opportunity that was at at my fingertips well considering you didn't choose coin and back in 2008 2009 i guess not yeah i guess no. I, I guess i'm not that good <laughs> It's okay. You didn't know. I guess the question was answered for me a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that you get a chance. You get a you get a thirty year window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To to figure it out. To figure it out. Yeah. And know that and know to put it put it in. So I'm still within my thirty year window. Let's see if if it works out for me. Um. But it's. It's interesting though because I I think that there's also a lot of companies potentially that that have been like jostling to to become like you know the crypto whatever right the right. the yeah. crypto miner yeah such as like Hut yeah where Hut actually had a reverse share um by oh God I'm forgetting reverse share split no it's not my my brain's getting jumbled for a second here I can't can't think of it but what it's called but basically shares get bought back mm-hmm. to the company the company takes the shares off the market so uh, and then the share typically jumps in price and it's from the it was from the merger that it underwent and now it's the third largest bitcoin miner in in the uh public markets so oh wow yeah vastly undervalued mm-hmm. and uh I mean, I, I won't be surprised in a decade if it's if it's one of the largest companies. Well, that's the one you chose, right? That is the one I chose, and that's why I'm probably talking so highly of it. So now you're <laughs> you chose it, so we'll see. It is in my thirty years in my portfolio. We'll see how it does in thirty yeah. years. We'll check back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tune back into this podcast in thirty years on this date, and we'll uh, we'll see how Hut did. There's also a whole bunch of other stocks. I mean, McDonald's has done really well over the past couple months, which is funny because I was talking. I've been talking to you about this quite a bit. As oh, soon as yeah. I as soon as I saw the news, my brain had been jumping around. Was was about the cosmic 
I don't think they're restaurants. I think they're coffee shops. Coffee shops. That's the word. Yeah. Which is interesting. That they're, they're. Or is it like a cafe? What is the difference between a coffee shop and a cafe? I know that the McDonald's coffee shop is called a Mick Cafe. Yeah. And they're not calling it that. So it's clearly not a cafe. So it's probably a coffee shop. So let's never call it a cafe again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bad idea. Gotcha. Yeah. So is it like, wait, what is it called? McDonald's Cosmic? It's called, Co- it's just called Cosmic and it's spelled C-O-S-M-C. Wow. So that's like equivalent to like Starbucks. Yeah. And so Starbucks had its 12th red session like sell-off in a row. Mm. And this is interesting because you told me about this earlier in the week. And then I was like, I wonder what I can do with that. I should go look into Starbucks. And then I forgot. Yeah. So Starbucks is kind of getting like, what is the word? Canceled. Canceled. Yeah. It's getting canceled because apparently the cups that they serve the hot coffee in can release like thousands of microplastics and, you know, like forever chemicals that just. Specifically, the, the thing within the paper cups is called polyethylene. Yeah. Yeah. So it, we're ingesting it basically by drinking the the hot coffee. From the Starbucks cups. Right. So. Not a problem if you don't reuse your Starbucks cups. But I know a lot of girls like to. No, I think it's like the paper ones. Yeah, you got you guys don't use reuse your paper ones? No. Oh. You're supposed... There's like tumblers and things. But <laughs> I think that people are doing research in that. That it, it might also like cause the same I think also a lot of the price points are starting to get mismatched between what a consumer is willing to buy versus uh, what you know companies are actually offering you know Mm -hmm. and now I I think people are picking it up that the consumers are being in some areas they're being much more discretionary in their spending such as they don't want to spend seven dollars on a coffee cup because they realize that adds to the bottom line right now at a time when, you know, they've probably lost about 25% to 30% of their purchasing power over the last year alone. You know? Yeah. I mean, who can keep up with that Yeah. for salary wages? Because the problem is, is that inflation is a compounding effect, right? And I've talked to you about this before is, mm-hmm. right, where year over year, it, it's 3% inflation. What does that really mean? It means that that it's still three percent higher than it was the year before, mm-hmm. right? So, if you're at a hundred and it goes now to hundred and three, and then the next month it it's two percent inflation, right? It's still increased to one hundred four, one hundred five, because yeah. the problem is is that is that inflation is just slowing the rate at which it's increasing. Yeah, and so consumers have now intuitively started to realize. Yeah, I can't afford the things that I I could afford a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Right. Um, And it's a serious problem because I don't think the Fed has the power to take on a serious disinflation campaign. 
and wages have pretty much stopped because right. the job cycle is starting to tighten. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's at an interesting stage. We're we're sort of at the calm before the potential storm, where yeah. a lot of people are declaring a soft landing on the Fed, or th- that the Fed completed a soft landing. And on the one hand, so there's definitely enough evidence that we were probably in a recession since May. Like if you look back on hindsight, you look at the data. Yeah. There was some contraction of the economy that that did occur. Um, Especially if you look at the, uh, oh God, what's the word for it? Uh, Especially if you do, if you look at a, uh, the amendments that that they would put out after data calls. Mm -hmm. So economic data calls, they they would list like, you know, initial jobless claims and then they'd go back and revise them. So the revisions would would oftentimes be much higher, you know, for initial jobless claims or something like that. So the economy was doing worse than what they were initially reporting. Um, and so in hindsight, it looks like we probably were in the early stages of recession since May and we, we've delved in. The problem is now is, is we're trying to figure out, and the market's trying to figure out sort of, are, are we near the end of what this recession is? Because, you know, some people are trying to push the argument that, you know, a lot of the inflation was, actually was caused by supply shocks. I've looked at that data and it, it, that does seem like a very valid argument. Um, or, you know, are, are we right on the precipice of, of it getting a lot worse? And it it could that that could be true too, mm-hmm. and and so typically there's there's this silly little rule of thumb that you follow. So the Fed has hiked rates, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Fed lays flat for a while as as the economy kind of churns and slows down, right? They they put on the full brakes. Lending's a lot less you know easy to get. Cash is a lot less easy to get your hands on. Now typically when when you start dropping rates, what's always what the stock market does is they look at a very simple correlation. They go, oh, the Fed dropped rates, but the stock market also dropped, right? And this isn't always true because in 2007, they did drop rates ahead of time. And then, and then in the following year, 2008, the economy did actually crash slightly. They, they, didn't, they didn't drop rates all the way. They just, you know, incrementally. Yeah. And then once they started, it, then it really, those two things were, not, were probably not uh, – Ca- uh, direct causations, but there were some correlation between the two. So uh, people are arguing that this time, because it was mostly supply shock driven, and not because the economy, not because the Fed is being driven by a weakening economy, because for some, the economic data stayed very strong. Yeah, I'd argue yes. Like some of the economic data, in certain points, such as lo- low uh, unemployment is a very strong factor. But obviously we saw some serious concerns in other areas such as manufacturing and you know uh, yeah. some other some other areas that, that seem to point to it. But typically the main thing is is once you see jobs like unemployment start to spike slightly, then it then it kind of cascades and normally it's because something broke in the economy and you know something blew up and you're trying to fix it. So the Fed emergency drop rates 
back to near zero so that, you know, money can get easily into the economy to try to restart it. Yeah. And so typically stocks drop because, you know, something blew up. There was a misvaluation in a bunch of stocks, right? And everyone's trying to reprice earnings. Yeah. So it, if the Fed can carefully navigate through this, Yes, it is possible that soft like a soft landing can occur, but it still isn't very highly likely, and they're more likely to drop rates because something blew up. Still, yeah. The problem is is that there's this slight euphoria that we have right now, and and several tailwinds of forced buying factors, such as CTAs are required to buy a certain amount. Right? Mm-hmm. CTAs are these like huge, you know. Mega yeah. funds, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they can't pivot early easily. They're required to buy a certain amount. Based on on certain rules that they have, they have, they have regulations. They're they're very handcuffed, in a very simplistic, reduction reductionist approach of of explaining what the hell a CTA is. Um, they if the if the market shifts a certain way, they have rules they must meet. You know to buy. Even a lot of times, that's why everyone always says CTAs are always left holding the bat, holding the bag at the top because you know if marketing conditions are, are flowing a certain way, you're you're required to just you, you have certain requirements that you have to hit. Yeah. To to for exposure. Um. So. Just depending depending on on the fund, there's mm-hmm. obviously different rules and exceptions and and all that. It so. As well as there's a new game being played that I, I wanted to talk about tonight, which is uh, the VIX suppression. So I figured this out. On March 7th, 2023, the VIX completely changed how we knew it, knew it. It now acts in a very different manner. And I mean, people who have followed me for a while know how much I absolutely loathe uh, doing technical analysis on the VIX. I don't think it's feasible to do something where essentially what you're by doing technical analysis on the VIX you're saying that one volatility event is the same as another volatility event mm-hmm. so in March there was a bank crisis right yeah. VIX spiked in May there was a TGA crisis VIX spiked you're saying that the two events are the same thing the volatility that was caused were driven by the same things, even though they affected completely different sectors. Actually, well, TGA sort of did, but you, you see my point is, is they were caused by two completely different catalysts, right? Yeah. It's not the same thing that's happening over and over again, mm-hmm. right? So, so to compare two volatility events to each other, it is silly. Now, what they've started doing is, is – figuring out that you can create volatility suppression because it can act as a better insurance policy for hedging longs. So instead, so the traditional wisdom was that if I thought the market was going to drop, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of shorting my stock, which would have, you know, obviously there's, there's margin maintenance requirements and all that stuff. And it it can get very expensive very quickly. You go buy VIX. Right, mm-hmm. you just hold VIX. If VIX spikes, right, it can offset your losses potentially. And, th- and this is just looking at it from a simplistic, right, 
yeah. view because obviously there's option hedging strategies that you can't you can do and, and implement and all that stuff and you know whatever. Um but you go buy VIX. You buy VIX long. What what they started to figure out though was was that so VIX is price how they partially figured it out mm-hmm. is how are options being bought, right? So on the S&P 500. So if there's a lot of call options and there's not a lot of put options on it, then uh, then VIX goes down. Obviously, that's not completely true, right? Because the stock price is an influential factor in, in the math equation of this. Yeah. Right? But one way that you can uh, manipulate the VIX is through options buying. So they said, well, instead of... Um, Instead of uh, you know buying longs on on VIX and potentially causing you know like put surges, yeah, right, and then accidentally almost causing the event that you're trying to prevent. Why don't I just short the VIX down to zero? Because if I can reduce volatility in the market to a near zero equation, right? Where volatility never happens, so I never have to worry about about potential drops because the market isn't anticipating it, and the market is so call hedged that that you know gamma constantly picks it up and drives it higher. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's an easy strategy, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, it's not perfect because there real volatility events do do happen. Yeah. But what they're trying to do is when those volatility events happen, then you start shorting it back down. Right, you start shorting the VIX back down into suppression, so that the drops that that happen quickly get picked back up, mm-hmm. so that volatility reduces to near zero, and that you don't have to worry about about drops anymore. Drops just become buy events, and this is a very like idealistic academic view of of the VIX suppression that they're they're doing, but it just it flipped conventional wisdom on its head to to a very different approach, and now. Most major funds are are even I think there's a new rule now that they have to spin out some volatility funds, but I'll get into that you know another day but there's not like volatility specialty specialty where volatility suppression is like specifically looked at with mathematical equations of how do we how do we work it in blocks so that we can bring volatility down yeah and it's radical it's it's completely different and it's been uh helped. A ton by zero DTE in uh, SPY and SPX. Yeah. Um. So, VIX is very interesting, and I I thought initially I was against the the volatility suppression until I understood what they were doing because I thought that they were taking away a critical market function, but in reality. They're trying to reduce inefficiency in the market mm-hmm. by keeping liquidity as abundant as possible mm-hmm. and limiting drawdowns. Now, it can mean – so I think the part I, I didn't like initially about VIX suppression was that it meant that no matter what, people were just going to pile into the heaviest weighted stocks yep. like Megatech, right? Yeah. And it will just get infinitely bid, and there will be a a large inefficiency within the stock market, where cash isn't properly flowing 
to stocks that need the opportunity. But from what I've seen so far, actually, is that, you know, is that, you know, when, when you raise the boat, when the tides rise, right, all boats float higher. Yeah. So by, by reducing volatility, it seems to be a, a net good for everyone involved so far, mm-hmm. which is great. I don't have any issues with that. <laughs> I thought I would. <laughs> that was a lot. I'm trying to like paint the picture. I I think so the the big takeaway from this is is that if people have been looking at my VIX chart, they'll see that I've sort of figured out a regression that works for it. And what I'm anticipating right now is actually there's going to be another leg down on on VIX suppression. I think it makes sense because market has been stuck in a standstill for about 11 days now, which means that the VIX is, is primed to start dropping again, which means that they can, they can start adding some real shorts to it and, and really starting to drive it down again. So that would be the takeaway is that it looks like we're, we're on the precipice of another market pop mm-hmm. and VIX is going to get suppressed again. I actually think this is a good thing. Overall, at least for now, yeah. While while the economy's in in unsteady waters, yeah, keeping the stock market up means that we don't have to go, you know, fucking bail out, yeah, with billions of dollars. We can potentially put it back into the economy, focus it on on people that that need it, right? Yeah. And instead of instead of bailing out Wall Street, yeah, you know, and and so. I can live with that. <laughs> so you said it's been at a standstill for like 11 days? Yeah. So so SPY has been stuck within, uh, I think, a, a $3 range, mm-hmm. 4 454 to 456 for 11 days. Okay. Yeah. So really not much movement. No movement. But one of the other things I want to talk about was when index when major indexes go flat you have to just look to other places normally you dive down deep right you look at the individual stocks because there's going to always be individual stocks that play right yeah i i think i've talked about this before on the pod where you know there's times where macro really matters and then there's times where macro doesn't matter yeah and there's times where you know ma- different macro forces have different power rankings as well but right now is a time where macro doesn't matter because indexes are flat, so so the the large thing over your fucking head it isn't like getting isn't going to influence the stock you're playing with. So you can hone back into stocks that have real catalysts happening to them, and they're actually just going to move on their own because it, it's t- like you can actually trust that that they will move, right? Mm-hmm. So there's been some great ERs. There's there's been some squeezes. There's been the Bitcoin run, right? In yeah. coin, in hood. And then, and then like, you know, GitLab. GitLab literally moved $10 after hours Yeah. yesterday. And we were able to catch that. Yeah. It was fantastic, you know? So it, this is the time that I actually like the most because I get the hunt. I get to go find, <laughs> find like stocks instead of just, instead of just like watching, you know, Something barely move. Indexes until two a.m. Yeah, I pass out. Yeah, I wake up at four a.m. 
and okay. everything's all over the place. So I gotta, I gotta reset my brain again and figure out how each yeah. macro is playing into each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot easier to just play individual stocks when macro doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can thrive in both situations. It's just the amount of energy I have to put in <laughs> for non-macro times is, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to enjoy that part. Yeah. More. But I think, you know, also with the macro, I know you don't enjoy it as much, but I think you make like the really tough calls. I th- yeah, I I think I'm willing to make the calls that that most people don't have the courage to yeah. make at times. Yeah. Yeah. And they tend to pay off, which is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agonize over them, though, <laughs> as you know, as yeah. my hair knows. Yeah, I know. You pull your hair out and you get sick. Yeah. I get sick with the economy. I, I, I'm an empath for the econ- oh for economics. <laughs> well, it bothers me. I don't, I don't like stocks going down. I don't like the market going down because I understand what it means, right? Yeah. I understand that, that good people aren't, are going to end up homeless. And that bothers me. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. You know, and for, for whatever it's worth, I preferred you know, the economy being in good times and, and for the United States to be strong and successful. Yeah. Yeah. As messed up as it all is, I guess. Yeah, it's all, it's all over the place. You know, it, Have you done any more research on the 15-minute cities? No. And pushing electric vehicles so hard? So the stock market actually is pretty much rebuked electric vehicles. They're they're out right now. Most of their stocks are underperforming. Really? Yeah. So they're they're taking a turn because they're starting to realize they're finally starting to do the math on how much can the electrical grid sustain. Yep. And they're figuring it out. Uh it was it wasn't that hard to figure out that EVs aren't sustainable. As well as but it, more the mass acceptance of, of understanding that has finally kind of broken through. As well as I think Elon started to check out of Tesla. The Cybertruck wasn't what it was supposed to be. And, and I mean, when was the last time, you know, Elon was at the wheel with Tesla and, and trying to bring something new yeah. and exciting to it, you right. know? Or even like the mission to Mars. I mean, what really even happened to that for SpaceX? You know, it's just... yeah. It's a distant memory at this point. A lot of what I'm not saying. I don't. So I think Elon should be commended for a lot of the things that he's done. Because he's done a lot of really hard things. And it wasn't all perfect. So like, obviously, like the whole idea behind EVs, not a great idea. You know, I mean, basically trying to repair an electric vehicle. It's like we're trying to repair you know, smartphone, you got to get a whole new one. Sometimes it costs more yeah. to, to repair than to just get a new one than just to get a new one. So yeah. that doesn't make any sense. You can't do long trips and batteries will, will die. And if your battery dies, I mean, how do you get into the car? There's a whole lot of like 
it doesn't make a lot of economical sense yeah. to to be buying an electric vehicle. Um, which I mean, I'm not. I mean, I think there's other avenues that we should be exploring, like hydrogen. Yeah, is an interesting one. Um, it's like trial and error. Yeah, basically. yeah. There, there's a lot of like trial and error. With with you know, I mean. The problem is, is that hydrogen might have gotten completely blown out because of a basically scamster company called Nikola. Nikola tried to tried to push that you know hydrogen fuel cells were possible, and um, it, they they basically got got outed, and now Nikola's CEO is in jail. Uh, they still trade publicly though, which is funny. And this this is all over the last three years. And then and then there's other companies. Well, there aren't really many other hydrogen companies. I I don't think there really are. There's not a there's not a hydrogen fuel company that acts like like Tesla, where where Elon was the marketer and and developed the cult and yeah. did all of it with it, right? I mean. Yeah, so that's that's not going to work. Yeah. EVs look like a dead end. They a cool experiment. I think we learned a lot about batteries because batteries really haven't evolved since the 80s or the 90s. You know, in in terms yeah. of like power and longevity and and figuring out sustainability, like there was a lot of research that was developed into them and and it seems like um it it seems like there were there are now some companies that that seem to be making some breakthroughs in battery power so that'll be interesting but outside of that EVs suck yeah. yeah and now all these car companies have all these EV vehicle like they have all of these EVs that they need to sell yeah Oh, and a lot of car. I mean, yeah. they have a lot of cars they need to sell. On top of that, yeah. I mean, we were looking at. We drove past that one car lot, and they were literally packing up truck, uh, uh trucks. Onto onto that truck, onto the bigger truck. Because they were foreclosing, yeah. Yeah, because they were foreclosing on them because they weren't getting them any of them off the lot. Yeah. And that was great. I mean, that's that's crazy to think about. Yeah. You know. But that's something that's like discretionary too, is like bigger purchases from consumers. They're not making those purchases. They're not nope. going for the brand new Ford. They're trying to stretch it out, you know, another five years. And they should have just bought a Tacoma, to be honest, because those things are fucking tanks that last forever. But, yeah. you know, we can't all be wizards. Yep. Tacomas last you forever i would say too it's it's interesting how i would say since the pandemic and then there be being you know covid is still going around and not as rampant but you still hear of cases how like unfriendly it's made the world 
do you see what I'm getting like what I'm getting at here like it's it's made people very like selfish and like cutthroat you think people are less nice than they were yeah definitely like before think about it a few years ago you could cough in public and people would be like oh excuse you and you cough in public now and they all move away from you hmm. they're like huh infected or they yell at you go home you're sick like it's just where are you coughing stores no, it's what this I personally ob- happened to it's you. What I observe, you know, like I'm an observer. So I would just, I don't know, like I think it's a very like cutthroat, and everyone's just kind of like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna do what's best for me." That's so funny because I think people have been nicer to me. <laughs> well, that's probably because you're Delulu. I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I also got a great smile. I think. Yeah, you do. I win people over with my smile. You do have a great smile. Which is um it is a key cornerstone in in It's uh, probably the robe too. People are like, Whoa, this dude's wearing a robe. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> is he casting spells? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I think people are nice if if you give them a chance. Most people are nice if I just you give think them a there's chance. There's not a lot of like helping out these days yeah i think and that tends to make people that may already have like social anxiety like it heightens that knowing like oh i could go out and someone just yell at me for being around i think part of the problem too is so then less people go out and buy things is that a bad thing yes because then the stocks go down yeah okay so you have been paying attention. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> yes, I pay attention to you. I think that... Um... What do you think? Well, I was laughing. I, I, I laughed at, at your... You're like, yeah, the stocks go down. Because that was clever. Um. It all ties in together. You just have to let me get there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very good at painting the picture like you. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what I was going to say right before you said that and then you made me laugh and then and then the thought escaped my head when it was jiggling around. Um Okay, so I just want to I just want to bring this up because now you got me on conspiracy theories. Mhm. So you've mentioned that there's been reportings of what's called the white lung. Yeah. In China. White lung syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And it affects young kids. Yeah. So, okay. Hypothetically, it gets over to the States. And no one's going to want to bring their kids to school. They don't want their kids to be around anyone. Think about, like, the seclusion. Moms and dads are going to want to just, like, quit their jobs, take care of it. Like, it's going to get crazy. Will it though? Yes, because or people is it, do some insane shit for their kids. Or or is it gonna go so far the other way because of COVID and people feel burned? I think a lot of people feel burned. What do you mean go the other way? I think that a lot of people were very compliant. Overly compliant because they they had a lot of faith in the US government. Whether that's right or wrong, right? Uh, at least in health officials, they had. I see it. I see it. Doomsday. 
I don't see any doomsday. <laughs> I see what you don't you're tell saying. don't tell people that because there 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 are people on Twitter just fucking waiting to hear. It. They just need someone. They don't care how legit that person is. They're gonna be like, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm hearing it fucking everywhere, and we need to go stock up. And it's not gonna be that bad. And it's probably gonna be okay. Like, I mean, people freaked out over Ebola, but but what I'm what I was trying to say was that. People went so far the the other way in compliance and lockdowns and all that stuff, right? I, I think this time there's going to be a lot more resistance to that because people have it fresh in their memory what that caused. I don't think people want to go back to that. They'd rather risk... They'd rather risk... Their kid dying? Eh, not their kid dying, but... That's like, what we're talking about, though. But if their kid... Well, it might be that like if moms stay from home. What if moms or dads stay stay home but the dads go back to work right or the mom goes back mm-hmm. to work whichever whichever instead so there's there's more isolation potentially of the kid but not so much isolation of like the adults well, interacting the kid, in the world if the kid can't go to daycare if it's a if it's a disease within kids why would you want to bring your kid to daycare where it's already pink eye stomach bug you're tweaking because of that one movie you watched the other week where where people can't reproduce i'm not tweaking (laughs) what did we did we ever watch this movie together or did i watch it by myself it was this indie film about about how there was this disease going around and how people couldn't reproduce nope and eventually like the last like baby was born and they didn't think anyone was fertile. And then, like, this one girl gets pregnant and they have to, like, get her to safety. Nope. Uh, seen it's it. such a good film and I have no idea what the name is. So I'm just going to leave people like that. Yeah. And I'm sure they're screaming at me right <laughs> now in their car as they're driving to work listening to this podcast. Yeah. <sighs> no, I've never seen that. But I'm not tweaking. It's not like I'm like 100% set on like doomsday, but I do see that being a strong possibility. I think the more they try, I think the more those kinds of people try, thanks to the internet, the more they're losing power and a grip on that, that kind of stuff. Because people are reporting it. Like they, whether this is true or not true, and really I, I only bought into it because I was like, "Oh, sweet, Moderna stock is gonna is gonna jump." Yeah. But Alex Jones obviously announced that they were planning to bring back lockdowns, that masks were gonna get rolled back out, all this stuff back in like I don't know, it was like August or October. Yeah. Some somewhere in that range, right? Yeah. And it never happened. And people go, well, it's because, you know, people got really loud about it and, you know, the internet raised a storm and it was very clear that, you know, they weren't going to get away with it this time. And like, yeah, okay. So like there's a more vigilant, you know, I think people are more vigilant now of that kind of stuff, you know? And I think, I think a lot of like the glass has been shattered on a lot of people. Yeah. That you know you can't just roll out uh, measures just for the sake of rolling out a measure to control people. Yeah. 
because it's after work. So you think that there's going to be a lot of like resistance? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of resistance. Hmm. To it. Yep. I just realized my mic died, so I have no idea whether I'm doing good or if it's going to pick up anything. Yikes. I mean, this is about on par with the quality of my podcast anyway. I'm surprised. I mean, I'm so flattered. People have asked me, you know, what are you, what are you doing the next pod, your next podcast? When's your next pod when one of us isn't sick? Do you need me to get closer to you so we can share this no, no, no. mic? No, your mic's still working. So we're we're okay. We're not going to, like, hand each other the talking stick. And... Why not? Because I, I like to talk over you. Mm. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. I think it's interesting. It is interesting. It's it's scary, but whatever. I think that you do have to protect, like you do have to be more vigilant, and I think people are more willing to be vigilant. Well, I have one request. Yeah. If I'm right, you have to tell me I'm right. Okay. Good. I, I will tell you you're right. <laughs> I don't have an issue with that. I I don't see it. I mean, maybe they go that far with it. I I hope they don't. I hope it's not a weaponized disease. Like it it appears COVID was a weaponized disease out of a, a level four bio lab. I mean, I think back to this that there was a doctor in India that said like he did an evaluation on COVID, and he said I don't understand why it has. Uh, I forget what it is. I'm gonna get it wrong. I think it's HIV. It has some sort of HIV um, properties to it, and uh, you wouldn't see this in coronavirus. You you would see it potentially in a lab if they were doing experimentation in weaponizing the disease. Yeah. And then it it's then man. It it's man-made. Yes. Then it, then it, yeah, it had to be man-made. Yeah. Right. So. And then the consensus now is it came out of the Wuhan yeah. bio lab. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where you end up talking about the lab thing. Go back to that. I think every podcast. We only talked about it like two podcasts ago. So. Did you know? But yeah. So there's another thing going on through uh, Twitter. It's like they're calling them dinks. Dual income, no kids, and like this is the hottest thing that Twitter's in an uproar about. Dual income, no kids. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen that. They're like it's so irresponsible. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, did anyone think to do the math that like maybe they've done the math and they realize they can't afford children, and so they're just like, you know. Yeah. They're just living living their life because they know they can't afford it. Yeah. Kids are expensive, let me tell you. <laughs> they are expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It costs a whole arm and a leg, and then, then you got to throw in your ear, too. Mm-hmm. 
tip of your nose. And tip of your nose. Yep. Even if you like the tip of your nose, you're not going to keep it. You get nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's been a big a big thing. And I've seen more frequently, too, like, more people are choosing to elope just because it's cheaper. Yeah. Everyone's trying to find, like, cut corners to uh, make sure. I don't blame them. I mean, a lot of the yeah. – part of the pro- so this is what I was going to talk about earlier was I think that, you know, there was a lot of dry Christian values that drove the United States – up until about like the 1960s where where we start getting into a lot more of modern liberalism mm-hmm. and you start to see much more separation of of church and state like they started kind of prying out all the like god stuff and you know whether that was good or bad right at least there were some underlying driving principles of the united states mm-hmm. underlying like you could even argue as puritan principles right frugalism hardworking, innovation, all, all yeah. this, right? Yeah. And and now it, it's become, it was sort of replaced by a nihilistic 80s of high spending and, and, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, just do drugs and, you know, live your life however you want, however you want, right? Because yeah. uh, tomorrow's you, not promised. Tomorrow's not yeah. promised and, and, you know, nothing really matters. Just breathing well. Focus on breathe is good. Yeah. And we're starting to feel see like the full effects of of that cultural adoption. I think that part of the problem too is is that there isn't that underlying cultural values of the United States anymore, where like you know you have kids, you have a family, and that's that's part of the culture and that's part of the community, right? There's much more diversification. There's much more. Melting pot has become much more diluted across the board i'm not saying that's like good or bad because there's probably some really amazing cultural things that have been integrated and i'm sure there's some not so great yeah. things that have been integrated as well and i think one of the things is is probably you know to focus on on you know uh justified equality where you know and i think there was a lot of like economists really drove home the point that the middle class needed to exist in order to have a healthy economy yeah and long sustaining wealth yeah because i mean like if you look at it some people have done some historical studies that you know deterioration of the middle class in in different senses typically led to the downfall of of nations and um you know we we had that drive for a long time with ensuring that you know there was there were there was the middle class and they could live well and, and you could move up and down, but now it, it it's starting to get driven, and their 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 power is shrinking. And I think they're having an open rebellion of, well, fine, like if you don't want, if you're not going to fund the middle class and you don't value us anymore, we just won't have kids, and then who are you going to to get to fund your labor? Yeah. Right. Yeah. There is it, it. Sort of is a protest against, um, you know, this whatever version of capitalism is. Yeah. Is fine if we're not we're not included 
in in an equal piece of the pie that we deserve because of the labor that we're putting in on this, we we won't continue to participate in the culture. Yep. Right. And I think a lot of people are probably missing that point today. Yeah. Because it, I think, or or they bring it up in a very communistic way, and that that obviously always turns off major capitalists. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but most people hate communism. So <laughs> the problem is, is that is that it's an open rebellion again against um, you know wealth inequality and. majorly wealthy are going to have to realize that and are going to have to realize that in order to stop population decline they're going to have to play uh, nice play nice give the middle class what they need give them give them you know raise wages yep increase house affordability yep i mean the economy is is changing pictures i think i think the economic drivers are changing Somebody wrote the other day that, you know, in 20 years, mercantilism will start to reemerge. So essentially like a, a bigger version of feudalism. And uh, well, that's weird, you know, but I, I can sort of see it where you, you disempower the majority of, of the masses. Yeah. The problem is, is that Feudalism worked because they were able to take advantage of labor because labor was mostly uneducated. You have the most educated generations coming up right now. Yeah. Of all time. And they are way more financially literate than even two generations ago. And they know the slide tricks that you're trying to pull because they have the internet and they all tout. Yep. You know? Yep. When when something bad happens, they instantly get on the internet Write a TikTok. Film, sorry, film a TikTok. And then- Write a TikTok. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> film a TikTok. And and the rest of them go, oh, that's all fucking nice. And then they don't do it. You know? <laughs> They're like, all right, well, fuck that guy. And then they, they boycott it. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's the argument of people, single parents are working two jobs but they can barely afford to cover rent and buy groceries. So they apply for, you know, state benefits, but they're turned away because they make too much. But they're sitting there starving with their kids. Right. Because they don't make enough. And, and the sad part about it, too, is um, they're mostly on it because Walmart doesn't pay them. Well, Walmart's had the tenth year of increasing their profit margins. Yep. Whereas if they took off half a point of their profit margins each year, it wouldn't fall back on on American taxpayers. Yeah. You know. Yep. So basically, every year Walmart asks for a bailout, and the United States government gives it to them, and then they increasingly make quality of life more and more terrible for more and more americans yep and it's unsustainable it will be unsustainable it, it, is, it already is it already, it is, already is unsustainable people are, people are choosing not to have kids and then who do you sell to if, if you no longer have a nation yep 
think of a good spot to end it. <laughs> that was deep. Yep, that was good. Yeah. Well, I'm sure many people are confused about what this is, but this is the uh, Wismerlin Pod. Or no, this is the Wismerlin Uncensored Podcast. There we go. I Even I was confused about what it actually is. <laughs> also, I have a sub stack that I write. And, uh, you know, uh, go check it out. Go support me by you know, supporting Substack, you, you allow me to continue supporting this, this podcast. So we'll, we appreciate everyone in the tribe's support, and uh, I love you very much, Glenn. Thank you for doing this pod with me. We'll, we'll get back to doing it more regularly. I love you, and I love you, tribe. <laughs>